it's Alexis DBF, and welcome to the Precious Little Thief podcast. Today, we are tackling a topic where I'm pretty confident will offend at least half of you. Intrigued? You should be. So let's dig in. My name is Ashby, and today I'm joined by Alexis. Our topic for tonight is sleep woo. We're going to discuss several uh, techniques and trips that a lot of people swear by to help their children sleep that we find ourselves uh, feeling some skepticism about these topics. <laughs> and so, so we're really, we're like the sleep skeptics tonight. We're the sleep skeptics, yes. So we see these kind of things pop up all the time. They pop up on every parenting forum that there is. And uh, we're going to look into what the evidence is behind them. Alexis, our first one is amber teething necklaces. Yeah, my this is like a, a big topic for me. I, I feel like it's it's been like my own personal um, nemesis of <laughs> trying to <laughs> encourage fewer people to buy and use these items. Mm. And and that's actually a good segue. I did want to mention. So so woo is kind of like a like a something you believe to be true, even though there's no basis for it. And mm. um, and there's some woo that's like harmless, you know, like, oh, um, you know, I believe that uh, I sleep better, you know, if um, if I eat a lot of oranges. Right. Like, OK, great. Okay. Knock yourself out. Eat a lot of oranges. You know, there's no mm-hmm. there's no downside, really. Um, uh, but there's also beliefs that have no basis but that could be potentially harmful. And as we talk today, we're going to talk about some some kind of sleep woos that are sort of like, you know, kind of harmless. And, you know, sure, if it makes you feel good, go ahead. But there's others that are, are a little more risky and uh, combine the issue of there's no evidence that there's any benefit. But there's, you know, verifiable risks that we're assuming. And, and those are a little less harmless and a little less kind of, you know, amusing. And one of those that is enormously popular and gets a huge amount of support um, is amber teething necklaces. And the concept of the amber teething necklace is that you buy your child literally a, a, a beaded necklace that they wear uh, often around the neck, sometimes around the ankle. Uh, and, and the marketing pitch is that they, they should wear these at all times. And depending on the provider of the amber teething necklace, there's a variety of claims that are made, um, ranging from the truly ridiculous to to the at least reasonably sounding uh, claim that they will resolve teething pain. Mm-hmm. It's always teeth, yeah. right? It's always teeth keeping our kids up. Te- teeth is the big one. There's other, you know, there's other claims that are made about, you know, health and wellness and all kinds of stuff. But that's that's kind of the biggie that they're associated with. And um, the way that the amber uh, beads are supposed to soothe teething pain is because um, within the amber are, are minute amounts of uh, succinct acid, um, which is supposed to be a, a pain reliever. Now, there's zero evidence anywhere that it is a pain reliever. So that's Even just kind of a claim. Even when it's taken orally or some other way. In, in any way. Yeah, yeah if you okay. inject it into the bloodstream. Like, there's no, right. there's no evidence. Um, nor is it plausible that the acid within the you know, amber crystals would be released by the warmth of the skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- nor is there any evidence that if it existed that it could be absorbed through the skin. Um, and even if all of those things actually could happen, which again, there's no evidence that they could, the amount within amber, especially in the size of an amber bead for a baby, which is very small, 
is minute. Well, you know, uh, it occurs to me that if it was really leaching into the skin like that, I mean, wouldn't we see these necklaces slowly disappearing into nothing as they're yes, worn? They would, yeah, kind of like a candy like necklace, a sucker, right? Yeah. Like you would, uh, it would just shrink it to nothing. Shrink, and after yeah. six months, you would need a new one because yours had uh, been absorbed into the bloodstream. <laughs> Um, but of course that doesn't happen. And the reality is that the amber teething necklaces, uh, have no functional benefit whatsoever. And yet they're like a bad penny. They constantly come up and every time they come up, there's like a hundred people who are like, they are the best thing ever. And it's, they're not, they're not doing anything. Now there might be a slight effect, a placebo effect for the parent where you feel Mm -hmm. like you've done something and thus you know, any potential discomfort related to teething is more kind of tolerable because you feel that you've, you know, accomplished something. When the reality is that your child is, you know, just as fussy as they were yesterday, you're just kind of feeling better about it. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain these people who swear that everybody has a sample size of one or two or, you know, that's right. That one day made a huge difference. Yeah. How many people Um, really have the reason that this is not the amber beads are not cute for me is we're putting, um, you know, we're putting strangulation hazards around our children's necks. And, you know, some people, in fact, leave them on 24 hours a day. So nighttime, nap time, child unobserved, you know, ropes of beads around their necks. Um, I see them in infant photographs, constantly. Uh, So I don't know how often they're being used, but I feel like the answer is far more often than they should be, which is like zero. Zero should be using this. Um, You know, some some beads are, you know, made on double or triple strings so that they won't break loose. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're absolutely a potential choking hazard. Mm -hmm. You know, if that rope breaks, now you have a child who is potentially alone in a crib you know, with a series of small brown beads. So on the negative side, we have strangulation and choking. On the positive side, we have zero benefit. So the cost-benefit analysis for amber beads just does not add up. And I would really encourage people who are concerned about teething and the disruption of sleep to stop looking towards amber beads or amber necklaces as a solution to improve their child's sleep. Another thing that comes up a lot with teething that Ashby's going to share a little bit about is Highland's homeopathic teething tablets. It so happens that a lot of this sleep woo uh, surrounds the idea of resolving the teething pain, which uh, is also something of which I am skeptical in general. So just can we make mm-hmm. a note of that? So yes. so everyone's child has symptoms of teething. You know, they're chewing on everything. They're drooling. And concurrent to those things happening, they're not sleeping. And so everyone assumes that the reason they're not sleeping is because of the teething. Now, I don't like to tell parents that teething doesn't cause sleep disruptions because parents who hear that tend to want to punch you in the mouth. And I don't want to get punched in the mouth. But you know, numerous studies have basically said that, you know, teething pain is not the cause of sleep disruption, that there's other sleep disruptions that happen at that time, you know, uh, separation anxiety, um, you know, not falling asleep alone. Other issues are happening, but people think it's teething. And that's why they're scrambling to buy all these products to fix the problem. So I'm sorry, I, I'm getting off oh, the tangent. Absolutely, and Please. that's a great tangent because that kind of addresses the real reason a lot of these things are kind of woo as yes, well. Yeah, no, no, but I, 
but I've totally taken us off path. So please, t- back yeah. to the Highlands heating tablets. Because if there's any product that I'm I'm kind of more outspoken against than amber amber beads, it's probably the Highlands teething tablets. Highlands teething tablets. So these teething tablets, they're inactive ingredient, which is most of the tablet is lactose, which is sugar. So it's a sugar tablet, which is probably why children like them. Uh, the other so, so we could also give our children jelly beans for teething. We could. That might be we another approach. Have a similar effect. It also contains calcium phosphate, chamomile, coffee, and belladonna, all at levels of extreme dilution. Uh, we're talking one in 999 parts of these Which is the, Isn't that the basis of, uh, you know, homeopathic solutions mm-hmm. that, that there's these, like, sub-molecular yes. <laughs> components yes. in there? And, uh, you know, the... These have been in, these tablets are essentially sugar tablets. The inactive ingredient is so minute um, that it is negligible. And the Highlands website itself um, has stated that the amount of belladonna used in Highlands baby teething tablets is minuscule. There's two trillionths of a milligram in a tablet. So they're very open about the fact that their active ingredients are almost non-existent. But, but we're kind of relieved that there's minute amounts we of belladonna are, in it because it's belladonna a poison. It's a poison. It's a plant-based <laughs> Yeah, thank you for alkaline. keeping the levels of poison in your product low. We yeah. appreciate And It's a plant-based <laughs> alkaloid. And I um, read that conventional medicines use up to five milligrams of the belladonna. And um, there's a lot of side effects that can occur dry mouth, blurred vision, and some seizures. Um, but of course, we don't see that in homeopathic medicines containing belladonna because there is almost none in it. And these tablets have been in the news recently and in the past. I mean, if you've been following any of the baby blogs, you've probably seen there was an October 23rd, 2010 safety alert uh, owing to the inconsistent dosage of the belladonna. So, you know, we're hoping that there's a minuscule two trillions of a milligram in a tablet, but if there's inconsistent dosing, then we might be worried that there is actually poison in these tablets. Yeah, large amounts, <laughs> potentially, of poison. Yeah, um, who knows, yeah. right? I mean, that's not something you want to play around with. But then there's a very recent September 30th of this year, 2016, FDA announcement. I'm going to read a little snippet from that announcement. The FDA is analyzing adverse events reported to the agency regarding homeopathic teething tablets and gels including seizures in infants and children who are given these products since the 2010 safety alert about homeopathic teething tablets. The FDA is currently investigating this issue, including testing product samples. The agency will continue to communicate with the public as more information is available. Mm-hmm. So essentially, on one hand, you know, Highlands claims there's essentially no active ingredient in this, in which case it's useless. On the other hand, if the dosing is inconsistent, it's potentially poisonous. So either way, it, probably not. Yeah, worth it's either money. useless or possibly causes seizures. Yes, <laughs> like yeah. these are the options available to us with this product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't get homeopathic solutions. Like I, I always make the joke. I'm like, what if I handed you a nice glass of ice water and I put a drop of wine in it? Would that, you know, like? I, I, right. I mean, why like, not? Would you not be offended? Uh, <laughs> Water has had so many things in it as it passes through the ecosystem. So it's hard to imagine that the effect of the... I'm like, just give me the glass of wine. I just want yeah. a glass of wine. Not this glass of water with a trace amount of wine in it. Just give my <laughs> kids some belladonna straight up and then we'll be good. I just, I would like a 
straight up. No, I mean, and this is again one of those products people are like, "Oh, my child loves them," and I'm of like, "Of course, yeah, they sure." Like sugar, my kid loves uh, you jelly beans. Like child gummy bears, they mm-hmm. would be equally thrilled. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, M and M's work great too. Does, you, you know, the fussiness, out. I'm sure, goes away as as they're being eating these tablets. You know, I mean. It's a sugar. My kid stops fussing when we go to the bank and we get a sucker. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the bank lollipops cure teething also. They do. They do. So another one uh, that we'll talk about, this is not so much teething related, is cereal in the bottle. I put cereal in the bottle. My kid's not going to be hungry at night. And then they won't wake up. Right? Yeah, so all of the woos we're discussing are really related to things people are using to try to reduce or improve their child's sleep, typically yeah. at night is, is where it's most concerning. And so, you know, of course, when children are waking up constantly to eat, the natural reaction is to go, well, they must be hungry. So mm-hmm. I need to find a way to like stuff them like a Thanksgiving turkey at, at dinner time. And I, and, I, and I say that sort of in jest, but there's a lot of truth in there. People are desperately trying mm-hmm. to like shove more food into their kids at, at bedtime so that they can possibly go longer without, a, without waking to eat. Because the assumption is, is that all night waking is due to hunger, and we have to solve this hunger issue. Um, so one popular approach is to put, you know, a teaspoon or two of, of infant cereal in a bottle of formula or breast milk. And this is called a thickened feed or feed thickeners. And the idea is, hey, we can pack more calories in there. You know, oatmeal um, digests more slowly, so they're going to feel more full. And, you know, they're going to sleep through the night because they have this nice big belly of oatmeal. Um, so most of the research in terms of scientific literature has been focused on thickening feeds to, for, as a treatment for refluxing babies. Mm-hmm. So we know that about 2% of babies do have reflux, and that acid irritation in the esophagus, uh, you know, causes discomfort, fussiness, crying, sometimes feeding problems, almost always disrupted sleep. You know, speaking as the mother of two reflexing kids, it's super, it's super stressful. I mean, when you're, you know, when somebody says my child has reflux, you know, they're having a bad time. Yeah. So, of course, you know, like looking for like non-drug options to help that is appealing. What the research has found is that it does, in fact, reduce the volume of spit up. So, the, the oatmeal, I guess, weights down, I, the theory is that it weights down the food and keeps more of it in the stomach versus getting pushed up into the esophagus. So you okay. see less spit up, you know, kind of exiting the child's mouth. I mean, so it really up, is the weight of the food. It really is. I, that's the weight. theory. I mean, we don't okay. really know. But yeah, the idea is that it's sort of soaking, you know, the oatmeal soaks up the breast milk or formula and then kind of keeps it down a little bit better. Because, hmm. um, you know, spit up is just reflux that's made it all the way out. Yeah. You can... So the, what the studies also say is that the amount of acid exposure in the esophagus remains unchanged. Mm-hmm. So if the if your child has reflux and it's waking due to discomfort, thickening feeds is not going to eliminate the discomfort, mm-hmm. but you may see less spit up, less you know food leaving their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're still discomfort, uncomfortable, they're probably going to be. Has they still having trouble sleeping? They're just not going to yeah, be Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't fix the reflux discomfort, which is the real problem for refluxing mm-hmm. kids. But you do see less spit up. And, of course, you know, people get alarmed by the volume of spit up. But, right. it, you know, um, but, it, but in terms of, like, does it actually have any benefit? Eh, maybe, you know, it's one of those kind of like it might for refluxing kids help them spit up less. Um, 
However, there's no evidence that adding cereal to a bottle at bedtime for just your average non-reflexing kids leads to better sleep outcomes. And this has actually been studied. So uh, they were, you know, saying, like, we give kids two bottles. One kid gets a bottle of just regular breast milk or formula. The other kid gets a bottle that's been thickened. Do they sleep differently? The answer is no. Um, So this, though, you could argue is kind of a harmless woo. Like, you know, if your grandmother is, like, telling you to try this because she's convinced that your child's waking constantly due to hunger, you know, you could, you could, if it's an older child, you could give this a go just to appease grandma that you took her advice. And there's, you know, unlikely to be any, you know, major um, downside to it. Um, but it's also unlikely to lead to any, you know, modification of sleep outcomes. Yeah. Well, and the cereal, you know, it is less calorie dense than the breast milk or formula typically. Is that right? Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, I look, I looked that up. So I was like, how many more calories are we really adding to the whole meal? So let's say your child takes six ounces of express breast milk and you add a teaspoon of cereal. You're adding like 10 calories. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, relative to the breast milk um, and breast milk could be as much as, you know, it breast milk. The, the caloric content of breast milk actually varies hugely by woman and by time of day. So it's hard to say. But breast milk could be 40 calories an ounce. Okay. So, you know, so adding 10 more calories to a, you know, 300 calorie bottle of breast milk is, you know, is pretty pointless. <laughs> I mean, and the reason for that is that the cereal itself is, is probably almost all carbohydrate or protein, which are four calories per gram. And your breast milk or formula contains some fats, which are mm-hmm. nine calories per gram. So you have that, that breast milk or formula is going to always be more calorically dense yes. than, of, than the cereal. So if anything, yeah. you want to pack them full of more, you know, more breast milk and formula if you want them to be less hungry. Yeah. 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 Tr- truthfully, if, if that's your, if you want to stuff them like a turkey, you yeah. want to stuff them with the breast milk and formula because that's where the calories are. Yep. But um, again, harmless probably not a bad, you know, not going to hurt anybody, but not going to make a difference. Yeah. So next topic is the lettuce bath. What is the lettuce bath? I have never heard of (laughs) until a week ago. It's come up several (laughs) times. Now, so I like the lettuce bath, just in case you don't know what a lettuce bath is. uh, Some people just put literally lettuce leaves in a bath. Uh, Another way to do it would be to boil the lettuce. So you have sort of that green solution. It's kind of what I drain off of my canned spinach. Uh, (laughs) And that goes in the bathtub. Uh, This is the supposedly there are anti-inflammatory properties of the lettuce tea that acts as a teething aid. So we have on several levels. It's the teeth and it's the lettuce. Um, We're we're absorbing through the skin, right? As we soak in it like a tea. As we soak it in. Like a tea, a lettuce tea. <laughs> like the baby is the tea bag or something. But now this is a apparently a folk remedy from Mexico and Puerto Rico. And some of my ancestors are Puerto Rican. So who knows if my great-grandfather was bathed in lettuce leaves. Could, could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Ale- Alexis has a husband who is a professor. So she has access to peer-reviewed journals. And found I do. I this... took his password that I'm using illegally. Tell oh, no one. Oh, sh- okay. So this, <laughs> the lettuce leaves, I mean, the lettuce bath thing, there there was no no studies on this because it really is just folk remedy. 
Um, well, I, I, I couldn't even find anything about lettuce oil. Like, I was okay. like, does this have some properties? Has this been studied? No, nobody apparently is is getting NIH grants to research the medical benefits of yeah. lettuce oil. Now, I mean, I so the lettuce bath thing is probably not effica- efficacious in eliminating teething pain or better sleep. But again, it's a harmless, it's a fairly harmless. Well, I mean, best case scenario, your child imbibes a little bit of lettuce and that's a vegetable. <laughs> Uh, you could I, use it for soup after the baby's done. You could. You know? I, I mean, carrots, I kind of think beans. I generally oppose the lettuce bath because I think it causes people to focus too much on lettuce and not enough on what the real sleep problem is. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, if, again, if you're, if you have, like me, a Puerto Rican grandparent who uh, insists upon doing this, it's probably harmless. I, you know, I just feel like if somebody's throwing lettuce in the bathtub, things are probably pretty bad on the sleep front. Like, they're really reaching for anything at that point. They're like, I'll do anything. Lettuce, sure. Why not? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, canned spinach is very highly concentrated. So I would just yeah, drain Maybe kale. Liquid. You know, kale is better than lettuce on all fronts. So maybe we should be putting kale in the mm, bath too, yeah. to, uh, you know, antioxidants from kale. Yeah. There you go. Green vegetables, leafy greens. Oh, and our, our last topic for tonight is the essential oils. Uh, a lot of people are into the essential oils. They're the thing these days. They're popular. I, I see them a lot. And I wonder if they're popular because um, of anything inherent in, in their use or if they're popular because there's so many kind of multi-level marketing companies uh. Sort of, you know, mobilizing the sales force of, of EO salespeople. Ah, multi-level marketing. There's a podcast topic where I'll <laughs> offend everyone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we do, Ashby. We yes. offend everyone. <laughs> like, I have no problem with essential oils in general. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a hater, but the multi-level marketing? Mm. Okay, so our essential oils, what are the most popular for sleep? Now, I didn't research every possible essential oil under the sun here. One we see pop up a lot is lavender. Mm. And people are using them in the diffuser. They're making an aroma, a lavender aroma, a lot in the child's room. You know, there is some research on this. Um, There's a lot of studies show uh, some decrease of blood pressure in adults with uh, a lavender aroma. And there's been some studies that show that infants exposed to a lavender bath cried less and slept more deeply after the lavender scented bath and the infants with the regular bath water, I suppose. And, um, yeah, but did they compare the lavender bath to the lettuce bath? Cause that's really, uh, no, that's the, the third control know. group or the second control group. Uh, and also a chamomile we see a lot. And I, and there's some evidence with, with chamomile too, for relaxation in adults and children. Although chamomile, if you're allergic to ragweed, you might have a reaction to the chamomile. So watch out for that. Um, so, you know, I'm not down. Clear, in all of these cases, you're talking about the sense. The sense. Like in, in a diffuser, the, not being applied to the infant's body. The chamomile is typically as a tea. But the, the lavender, they're taking the bath, but it's the scent, the aroma. The scent, that's the evidence that I found is the aroma. Of course, your baby probably smells pretty good after that bath as well. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not totally down. I just want to be clear about that because my fear, my fear about essential oils is not that, you know, 
uh, oils from flowers or plants is, are, are bad, um, but that there's an assumption that because it comes from nature, mm-hmm. that it is de facto harmless. Right, and the belladonna comes from nature, and it's a poison there. Uh, so. Many poisons. Many poisons. <laughs> nature is populated with poison. Yeah, very, very wonderful, effective. Um, and so I get nervous because this whole the, the fallacy of natural equals goodness um, makes me nervous, especially when it comes to infants, uh, and especially with, you know, oils that are full of chemicals. Like, let's be honest, essential oils are full of chemicals. There's no chemical-free substance mm-hmm. that that people are um, potentially getting aggressive about how they're introducing their child to these oils. Right, right, absolutely. And, you know, I, again, we shouldn't be giving uh, a glass of tea to a very young infant either because... We don't want to be giving them that much water at a very young age, you know. So, so there's a couple of issues, right? One is um, we don't know how infants will respond to tea. Like even if, like I love tea, but I'm not giving tea to a four-month-old. Mm-hmm. The second issue is uh, giving water to infants, you know, a cup of water, a bottle of water, a sippy of water. Uh, for kids under one can actually dilute the electrolytes in their body to such a degree that it can lead to death. So mm-hmm. we don't want to give large amounts of water and tea is just water to infants. And then we have to be careful about the dilution of uh, essential oils, correct? Yes. I mean, yes. Now I think that with the lavender, when we're doing an aroma, I, that's. Yeah. So aroma is one not, thing, but some people yeah. are using them as uh, mas- infant massage oils. Yes. Um, and there have been babies' feet, you know. There have been incidents of people, you know, using like the cinnamon oil. I know that's been mm-hmm. one that I've heard about. And people are getting rashes and burns, little little children from the cinnamon oil because some of these things are extremely hi- highly concentrated. The essential mm-hmm. oil is extremely highly concentrated. It's not like just taking the plant and rubbing it on yourself. Mm-hmm. It takes an enormous number of the. It takes an enormous volume of plant to create a small amount of the oil. So put a, putting a lavender plant in the bathroom, you know, where you give your baby a bath is great. <laughs> sure. But, you know, like covering them in undiluted uh, lavender oil, you know, is is starting to become a little risky. Possibly not even a little. I mean, I, right. I get very nervous. I, I, I think I'm tapped into one of the issues that... That people's use of essential oils makes me nervous because there's no evidence that it's safe and there's no clear guidelines for which oils, how much, which age. You know, it's it's Yeah, very... it's definitely not something you can just, you know, say, Oh, here's a bottle, squirt it out like it's hand lotion. I mean we I get nervous that people, people are actually doing that though. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, know. and I'm sure it varies it varies very much as the company that's producing it, the individual producing it too. So yeah, the clear guidelines, I mean, you want to know what's in there and you don't want to just automatically squirt it out like hand lotion and rub <laughs> it all over your child. You and know. it costs like a hundred dollars an ounce. So there's that also. in the mix. Uh, So now I just want to say, I'm not completely down on the lavender is the aroma. I mean, it's definitely, if you're into that kind of thing, make the room smell like lavender, you know, that's, no, it's something and, to do. And, and I'm not down. I love lavender. I mean, I love lemongrass like i love all the smells of the spa you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm not anti yeah. what i see often for 
consistent boundaries, sleep associations. And so that's the other thing where I, I feel it really falls short is people are looking to this for a solution that is clearly a sleep hygiene issue or a boundary issue. So let's so let's talk about that. So again, yeah. some of these woos are potentially harmful, and that's where I tend to be more vocal about saying, please do not give your kids Highland teething tablets. Please mm-hmm. do not put amber bead necklaces around their necks. Some of these are just sort of, you know, benign and lettuce baths lettuce. and, you know, lavender diffusers, um, you know, uh, sure, why not? You know, I mean... Right. Uh, but the root issue is desperate people are looking for solutions and they're looking for, I'm going to call it an easy fix. You know, yeah. buying a product uh, that you feed your child that magically makes them sleep can be pretty appealing, you know. Yeah. Um, the, re- the answer to all of the people who are, are asking about these questions is the reason your child isn't sleeping are, are all of the reasons we've discussed in other podcasts. Yeah. Not enough soothing, uh, not awake the appropriate amount of time before bedtime, no consistency of bedtime, no consistency of bedtime, not falling asleep independently. These are the reasons why your child is waking up at night, and these are a lot harder to fix. Yeah. And the teething tablets, you know, seem pretty appealing when 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 that's the option on the table. <laughs> right. Right. And, and the same I, thing with I, the two year old. It's a lot easier to spray the room with lavender or give them a sugar pill than it is to tell them, mm, I'm putting my foot down now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my child's gonna throw my two year old's gonna throw a major temper tantrum when I tell them they can't yeah. get, you know, out of bed for the four hundredth time. So let me spritz yeah. a little la- lavender around the room and think yeah. positive thoughts. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it really does come up in that exact context, though. Maybe maybe they'll stop asking for the 11th glass of water at night if if I, you know, so, add something today, gimmick. Um, was asking us about relaxing music to help their, their oh, yeah. three-year-old stop pushing boundaries at bedtime. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and I think, she, I think she was really looking for some kind of like self-hypnosis. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of like, um, because and again, again, it's it's great to think, hey, I can go on iTunes for 99 cents mm-hmm. and buy some music that's going to calm my three-year-old down because, you know, dealing with the limit testing and the boundary issues is a lot harder than spending 99 cents on iTunes. So I'm hoping that there's maybe a 99 cent option available to me. Yeah, yeah, and she- Sure, go ahead and play relaxing music, but t- kids will protest boundaries as toddlers, regardless of how much Mendelssohn is playing. Yeah, right. And I hope we don't sound flippant. Like, I don't mean to sound like, you know, oh, look at these silly people with their lettuce baths and throwing vegetables at their non-sleeping children. Aren't they silly? I was also the desperate person. And I, honestly, I was not aware of any of these <laughs> options. But had oh, I been aware go. of them when we were in the thick of it, I would have absolutely have been like, hey, let's try this out. Um, so I, I get I get the desperation that drives people to look for, you know, kind of non-evidence-based kind of, you know, kind of hope Yeah, and options. a lot of times the, the things that are required to fix it require you to potentially forgo some sleep 
in the short term for more sleep later. Mm -hmm. And so I think people are sometimes when they're at rock bottom, they really hesitate to make that change in case something might be even a little bit worse for one night because it just feels like you're going to collapse if there's and even this is 20 a, minutes you know, And I'm going to put this out here as a pointer for a future podcast, which we will be doing. So subscribe yes. so you'll hear about it. But I think some of the woo that people are desperately grabbing for comes from the place that they have been told that sleep training is child abuse. Yes. So they yes. know that that's an answer, but if it's child abuse, then all of a sudden it doesn't matter if there's poison in teething tablets or if amber <laughs> beads. No, I mean, seriously, like any yeah, of these right. risks seem what minor compared to damaging your child's emotional yeah. development. And so on a relative scale, it's like, eh, this seems like the lesser of two evils. Now that's yeah, a whole that's other podcast. True. But I think that that's some of what happens here is we're so desperate that this is better than the alternatives. You know, I was definitely at that place of desperation once and I'm trying to think, why didn't I use any of these kind of woo methods? And the, really the answer is that our relative lack of money saved us there. <laughs> I was like, I'm creating a solution that is free. Sleep training is free. Yeah. You know, essential oils are expensive. They are very expensive. <laughs> so my, I don't know that that was a rational calculation, but the one that was free was more appealing to me. No, I, 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 I just claim ignorance. We didn't know. Yeah. But I, somebody could have totally sold me essential oils. Like, I would have been like, okay. Oh, okay. yeah. I would probably would have done the lettuce bath because, you know, you lettuce have, is pretty yeah, cheap. I mean, 49 cents at Aldi's for a iceberg head. <laughs> so just to sum it up, so lettuce bath, sure, why not? If you want to. If it makes, if it makes your, you know, your, you feel better, knock yourself out. A bit of lavender in a diffuser, you know, maybe some baby safe, you know, lavender massage lotion. Um, but be really, really careful about anything that you're putting into or on your child directly mm -hmm. uh, because that can be potentially dangerous. But scents are great. And if you want to have a nice, you know, spa scented bath for your bathroom for your child's bath, that's, you know, that's great. Um, we would really discourage the use of amber beads in any way, whether it's around the neck or around the ankle, when they're awake, when they're asleep. Uh, and the same with any kind of homeopathic teething solution. Highlands is the big brand that is known, but there are other products on the market. Uh, and I would discourage their use just full stop. Just I wouldn't mm -hmm. encourage any of them. Ashby, do you have anything to add? Oh, the cereal. I say, oh, yeah, it cereal. Might, might be some efficacy for refluxing kids, but it's not going to pack them full of, you know, five hour energy. Yeah. <laughs> or anything. Yeah, that 10, that 10 extra calories is not, uh, is not buying you an extra four hours of sleep at night. It's not a super mass builder's whey protein powder. It's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's not that muscle, muscle, muscle milk. Powder. Muscle yeah. milk. <laughs> Okay, well, I hope we haven't offended you too much with our talk about sleep and parenting woos today. You know, our goal here is just to kind of highlight some things that probably aren't going to help your child sleep better, may be dangerous in some cases, and also to hopefully point you in the right direction towards some solutions that will help your children sleep better. And on that note, we've got a lot more coming, so if you haven't done so already, please head on over to iTunes and subscribe because you won't want to miss out. 